passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around. Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello everybody, welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock, along with the Toronto Raptors supporting Way Ting. Hey John, how you doing? And before we even start, happy birthday. Okay, thank you. It is nice John Pollock's birthday, March 9th, everybody. So everybody, go on his Twitter timeline, at I am John Pollock, however you want to reach him. Send the man some very well birthday wishes. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you just uh, have a thought and, and send it telepathically? I'll see how many <laughs> thoughts. Why do that? Well, do that as well. Uh, in your daily meditation today, give, give some warm, warm thoughts to John. But I'm sure he appreciates your comments, everything. How are you doing today? Pretty well, man. Yeah. How are you? There was a lot of stuff this weekend. You did more than me. Oh, you, but it was a I, lot. We, we, you know what? I, thank you for kind of volleying that up because I, I really want to thank everybody that, that was associated with post wrestling this weekend on just the incredible work, uh, the incredible output everybody put forth. Uh, including Kate from Montreal, who did a tremendous job on Rewind of SmackDown this this Friday, joining me. Uh, hope to hear from you again very soon. Our friends at Up Next were just busting their asses. Uh, great watch along, from what I could tell, on the Twitch feed. If you haven't seen this clip of their reaction to the exploding barbed wire match, I urge you all to go to the Up Next uh, uh, Instagram or their Twitch channel. It has to be seen. It is it is tremendous. They've got a post show for the show up on their Patreon as well. So shout outs to those guys. Um, John, you and Phil with a big UFC post show this past weekend covering a very, from what I could tell, controversial evening. It was a very late evening, yes. And it, yes, had... Uh... Lot to talk about on on that show on on Saturday night into the uh, the wee hours of Sunday morning, where you were not watching the UFC pay per view. Instead, you were breaking down the season finale, the series finale, really of one division. 
Yeah, me, WH Park, and Nate Milton. We had a big... I'm stunned that those two have never... That was the first time they have interacted? No, no, no. They've done podcasts together, I believe, on their own shows. Like, I think, um, uh, like, one of the Cruel Summers, I believe. Um, oh, that's shows. right. They did. Never the three of us together. Not talking about this. Oh, topic. okay. The three. That's what you guys were talking about. Because I was thinking, wow, have they never done a show together? But you're right. They did Cruel Summer together. So, uh, yeah, we had a live series finale, and it was just like, it was the best way to be able to wrap up this, you know, uh, WandaVision coverage. And uh, it doesn't end on Friday, because we'll be back with the bonus edition for patrons on Friday, uh, Saturday, this coming week, talking about the documentary that's about to release and previewing Falcon and the Winter Soldier and delivering a, an exclusive interview I'll have with uh, one of the cast members even talking about uh, WandaVision. So um, it's going to be a big week if you're a fan of WH Park. Isn't it, John? The man is uh, operating a slow-moving coup here at Post Wrestling. He will be coming at us three days in a row. We have, uh, me and Wei have uh, joint custody of him. On Friday, I will be with him for Post Pro Res. Then on Saturday, it's the long and winding Royal Road. And who are we going to find on the long and winding Royal Road, holding his thumb out, but Buffalo, New York's own Brandon... Howard slash Thurston, who will be reviewing the finals of the Real World Tag League from 1996. Speaking of WH Park, I had the best, the three of us had the best interaction with him this afternoon where he, I mean, John, as always, you put out the schedule every Monday. You do a great job of it. You, you've been doing a great job with the graphics, too. Uh, finding the thumbnails and putting the pos positioning of the thumbnails. Th that tone, everyone is. It's really cute how you're you're doing that stuff. It's no. really uh, it's really really nice. I, really, I really cute. I actually mean it. Like there are weeks where I'm like, wow, I'm impressed. He took like he he like you know found a great JPEG. Anyway, so then like WH messages me, and I guess he he's not necessarily aware like who who is in charge, but he's like, hey, I think John made a mistake with uh, Long and Winding Royal Road this week. It's Brandon Thurston, not Brandon Howard, that's going to be joining me. <laughs> I'm like, they're the same no, guy. No, dude. his words were, <laughs> might want to fix this. And that's it. And I'm cross-referencing. I'm figuring I got the match wrong. I'm like, I'm looking at my that's text. What, that's what I I'm going too. back. I'm like, looking. I'm like, did I miss? It's like, no, I, I have the match right. I have the date right. What's the issue here? And then I realized that I had used Brandon's work name and he has more so I, I think he's gone solely now to the Brandon Thurston branding. So the branding of Brandon, uh, we will keep it consistent. Brandon Rest Thurston will be joining us on Saturday. It's a very complex world of uh, monikers out there, but I think we got to the bottom of it. But anyway, you'll be able to catch WH on Friday with Post Pro Res. He'll be on the long and winding road. He'll be joining me again for Rewandavision's uh, bonus episode. And what better way to celebrate WH Park Week here at Post Wrestling than 20% off of the Post Pro Res t-shirt exclusively Ooh. for patrons only this week. A part of our rolling deals this week from Monday or from this this point Tuesday until next Monday. Get 20% off of the beautiful Post Pro Res tee in support of WH Park's final work. So that is available for all patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com. It is a great time to be a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Not just that deal going on. Tuesday, we're going to have the Ask Away Mailbag Show. We'll be back live on Wednesday night for our Double Double Plus patrons. And 
In addition to the shows that we put out this weekend, I also have an interview up today with Evan Husney, the executive producer, co-creator of Dark Side of the Ring. Their new confidential talk show is premiering Tuesday night on Vice TV. So a half-hour chat uh, with Evan going through uh, this, which is really just a bridge between the two seasons that they wanted to have something. And uh, also some details on season three as well. What topics uh, they can confirm and kind of shooting this entire season during a pandemic where they're doing 14 episodes this season. So by far their most uh, of any season. And it's interesting because Evan has been in the States traveling all over the place and some interesting discussion there just about the, you know, shooting this whole thing during a pandemic. TV production, like during this period is, is, fascinating to me as i'm starting to find out like by looking into a bit of wandavision and seeing how they did it all uh, during the pandemic so um i'm I'm really curious to see how the season turns out for them all right so check all of that up at postwrestling.com and the final thing of our in-house notes uh we mentioned it last week post podcast day is happening on saturday april the 3rd if you are a member of the post wrestling cafe you will have access that day to watch and listen to all of the live shows that will begin at noon eastern that day uh, we have already mentioned that way and i will be doing a live edition of ask away taking calls uh, for as long as they're coming in and our second show uh, will be a special live edition of the british wrestling experience with martin bushby and benno and they're going to be tackling on the 20th anniversary the history of of WCW in Europe. So they will be going through uh, for an hour looking back at WCW's travels uh, throughout the continent of Europe. So that will be part of post-podcast day. Again, these will all be live shows happening that day and cafe members at any tier will have full access. Very exciting. So again, that is what, April 3rd? Yes, this is the week before WrestleMania. So uh, we will be... Getting everyone set with that and uh, more show announcements to come. Let's move on over, though, because there was a fair amount of news. Tony Khan did a uh, post-show media call. Did you get to hear any of this? I've heard most of it. I've heard most of the news coming out of it. So, obviously, the main topic of discussion was going to be uh, the ending to the pay-per-view. And, I mean, I I really took it that Tony Khan was not trying to, uh, you know, the, the way... You know, it was conveyed to us when we were doing the show live last night was almost like he was kind of positioning it like it was supposed to go that way. I certainly did not get that impression listening to this. It was more so he's now pivoting to go with this story that Kenny Omega made a bad bomb, essentially. It's not an ideal storyline, but they're really in a corner here. You have to apply some logic to what happened, and it just it was an unfortunate situation, and I am curious to Wednesday's show of how they come out of this and handle it. Um, like, I don't think you can even show a replay of, of what they did on, on Wednesday. Like, you can probably show some stills of the brutality of the earlier explosions and stuff like that. But the big moment, uh, it will be interesting how they address it on Wednesday and not like there would be one train of thought to just we'll pretend everything was great and we're just going to go forward. But I think that there does come a degree of kind of respect for your audience that, hey, we're going to level with you guys. We know you saw what we executed and how they how they go forward with that. Yeah, I don't see them. Pretend- I mean, they haven't. You know, the story that they- Moxley right after at the end of the match gave to the live audience is that 
they recognize that this bomb did not go off the way they probably intended, and they were putting the blame on Kenny Omega. And on the phone call, it was like Tony Khan essentially saying, oh, thank goodness we had this Kenny Omega thing. We can basically kind of pivot and blame, you know, for, for this kind of dud, dud of a bomb. The thing that I am definitely curious to see how they explain is Eddie Kingston. And that really is the thing that complicates it all. I mean, if by the end of the match, Eddie Kingston, that spot wasn't a part of it, and it was just, you know, Moxley waking up from a dud bomb, I mean, that that would have been fine. But the fact that they had Eddie Kingston be knocked out and selling the fact that he was knocked out even as Moxley came to, that, I think, will take a bit more of a creative explanation. Um, You know, could it be like, he simply fainted? Uh, Could it be... Edibles, as somebody suggested, like Brandon suggested last night. Like, I don't know. But they're going to have to be a bit more creative. And there's really kind of no hiding something like this from um, an AEW audience. We're talking about, a, you know, an audience that really demands, I think, truth or at least maybe a bit more authenticity. And I think they're storytelling, you know, to the point where if you remember the Jericho MJF thing or, or Jer- Jer- MJF Sammy Guevara thing taking place backstage, they felt the need to kind of justify the the invisible camera deal that was to me a bit of a snub so i think they'll be creative with it there's any like this this is pro wrestling things go wrong all the time and you try to explain it with some sort of creative logical story afterwards and i don't i don't think this will it ruined the match yes unfortunately but it's not going to affect the company in the least i i think that this is something that they will work overtime to make it work and I mean, you just give it a, a few moments of thought. The idea that Eddie Kingston is running into the ring and like they're on the verge, like their life is flashing in front of him. Like that was the panic they were trying to convey on you, the viewer, that this countdown was listening to. And it could be as simple as Eddie Kingston and Moxley like sharing a moment or something that they were actually like here. I don't know. It's it's really tough to explain this but i think there is a way that you can get around that that they will give a a lot of thought to and a great promo i think your audience will be extremely forgiving if you show them that hey we have put a lot of thought into this to make it logical for you yes now you you know you and i were talking about how that that whole thing was set to like write moxley off but i mean the idea that was a guess that was just a guess Right. But now the idea seemed to be like, you know, thinking a bit more about it. I mean, more likely it was probably to write Eddie Kingston off for a period, right? Because he would have been the one if the explosion went off to take the brunt of the punishment because he protected Moxley. Well, I thought it was going to be both would disappear. One from the explosion, the other like Moxley should be at bare minimum, like in a wheelchair or a neck brace on if we even see him on Wednesday. Like that was a that was the most brutal one-winged angel that we've seen in in AEW. So that the effect of that should be, you know, sold. Right, right. You know, in, in either case, I mean, it seems like it'll be the 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 implications of uh, a Moxley Kingston team up to go up against Kenny and the Good Brothers. I'm really interested in that. Just you know, John Mo- Eddie Kingston versus uh, Kenny Omega is a match that I'm I'm really excited for. So. I really didn't. I, I felt terrible for them. We said all we wanted to say. I, I think on that post show, but I, I am excited about the future in, with this storyline. Uh, some good news that Tony Khan had was that their preliminary streaming numbers uh, were at a record high. So he feels this could end up being one of the most, if not the most, purchased AEW show. And some other announcements, or at least news and notes from that call, was that it was Jay Riso Christian that contacted Tony Khan. And said he wanted to wrestle in AEW on a regular basis. And they had known each other for the past seven years. And 
Tony Khan didn't even realize he wasn't under contract at WWE and was kicking himself when he saw Christian return at the Rumble that he wasn't able to get him. So that's kind of how things came together in the last couple of weeks. Said that um, the Young Bucks against Pac and Phoenix is likely to happen in the next several weeks and definitely before uh, Double or Nothing coming up in May. And uh, the other thing about Ethan Page coming in was that they did want to get some more depth on the heel side because they felt they were a bit thin after the entire Dark Order turned babyface. So those were some of the notes from Tony Khan. On the WWE front, the move over to Peacock, we got a bit more clarity about all of this. They put out this release today, um, including that they are going to shut down the WWE Network app in the, the U.S. on April the 4th. And that's when Peacock will become the exclusive home of the WWE Network in the U.S. And they're stating it clearly here to continue streaming WWE Network content. Fans will need to sign up for Peacock instead of the prior indication that there would be a migration process over. Also, uh, Peacock has stated that on the launch will be March 18th, and it's going to feature all the past WrestleManias, as well as all of the pay-per-views from the past calendar year, along with uh, Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions, Chronicle, Icons, uh, um, TV episodes, some of the documentaries, but the other pay-per-views and other parts of the library are not going to be available on the launch day. It says that they will continually add network content to the library, making the entire network archive, including every WWE, WCW, and ECW pay-per-view event in history, available to stream on demand before SummerSlam. So it's going to be uh, the first time where the U.S. version of the network is going to be a diminished version of what the international subscribers are going to have because outside of the U.S. it will be unaffected. Yes, yes, and I think today's news uh, comes, you know, uh, to 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 be a pretty big disappointment for a lot of uh, U.S. subscribers. I mean, they were kind of positioning, or at least to me, it's it looking from the outside like this transition would be relatively seamless that people's accounts would somehow be automatically carried over to Peacock and. That is not the case. People are going to have to do a bit more legwork on their own. I mean, think about the people who might not even be watching wrestling right now, not being aware of any of this. None of this was said on TV tonight. Like, you have to go out and seek this information out yourself on the website or elsewhere. And it's like, there's definitely going to be confusion. Um, That's why I think it's very important. They'll get an email or something, I hope you know, explaining all this. But even so, yeah, it's a a lot more work than I think they were expecting. I think it's very important that they are launching this weeks before WrestleMania and not trying to coincide this with WrestleMania. I actually feel like they should extend that, you know, uh, like kind of doubling up period a while longer than that, simply because like you have, you you know, you have a lot of people who subscribe to the network for various reasons. and, And a lot of them are to get access to that older archive. You're taking that away potentially for four months and uh, with this transition to, to, to Peacock. And who knows if they'll even hit that SummerSlam target. Um, so I oh, feel but like the point, sh- the point of this, though, is to get all these people onto Peacock. And if you let WrestleMania come and go, um, there will be people that don't jump onto Peacock. They're going to see WrestleMania and they're not going to move over. So I think that's, yeah. um, you know, ideally this would have been a better, a better uh, timed 
transition to move all of this content over and something that you would hopefully have been able to figure out before the announcement was made. Um, because this, you know, this, this definitely causes some confusion based on how this was initially positioned to the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, we'll, it'll remain to be seen. I mean, with transitions like these, with really any, any sort of like skin change or like format change at all, I mean, you can guarantee there's going to be a storm of um, complaints. So I feel terrible for whoever is handling the social media for the WWE Network uh, on that day. But um, yeah, you're, <laughs> it might not be a very fun day for you. And I think I'm going to be very curious how Fastlane goes for that first weekend, um, which maybe by design they are choosing not to promote this event on Raw in any form or fashion so that the demand is not overwhelming. Are you serious? Dude, was Fastlane even mentioned tonight? Um, We have two matches. And they're SmackDown-based. Yeah. Like, you have Jax and Baszler against Sasha Banks and Bianca and Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. What is even going to headline on the Raw side? You've built up no challengers. You can't possibly be doing Lashley and uh, Drew at Fastlane. I thought for sure tonight... They were going to announce that it's going to be Drew and Sheamus in a last man standing match and the winner gets Bobby, which maybe they'll still announce. But I mean, we've got one more episode left. So unless you're going to just announce it online, but they made no push for Fastlane on tonight's show. Man, I feel like I would have at least seen some sort of billboard or something. But I I mean, I, I wonder if that's more just because of the poor layout of this show or if it was any deeper reasoning of them purposely not promoting this pay-per-view for some reason, which I, I really can't see. Um, and then there was uh, other details here from uh, the Verge outlet just about the fact that they're going to be getting rid of the match markers and that the search function uh, will not be as intricate as the current WWE Network version. So <laughs> Peacock, half the price, half the quality is what it sounds like. The half the price, I think, is, you know, the, the, the loan saving grace of this whole thing. But then you are going to get commercials. Um, so, you know, yep. you're, you're kind of getting that, too. But uh, by all accounts, it does seem like somewhat diminished uh, of an experience because it's simply Peacock taking over some of the content. It's going to have to be completely reintegrated. But you're also going to get The Office. So uh, that should make you feel better. Do you think that it's, you know, for let, let's just say of the. You know, they have at their last earnings, they had just over a million domestic subscribers. Let's say it's it's a small percentage of that that are the ones that are watching that archive stuff. Is this going to drive some of those people to try and just just go the VPN route and go get an international version of the network that has all of it and just just go that way, even if it's a small number? Like, I think there will be some that they're going to want that library that they've been accustomed to having. Sure, if that's even possible. I mean, I I don't know what it's like because I know what it's like to be a Canadian and to subscribe to an American account. I have to use my PayPal to kind of like you know uh, change my address and all that. I don't know what it's like for an American trying to, for instance, get a Canadian account or get a European WWE account. I'm sure it's possible, but that's something I'm sure we'll hear more about in in the weeks to come. What else do we have here? Uh, William Regal is going to make two game-changing announcements on NXT this week, which, is that possible? Like, if you change the game, and then you change the game again, is it almost like, is that like a 360-degree change? Do we go right back to where we started? Like, 
two game-changing announcements or these aspects of the game. I think there are varying degrees to which you can change a game. You know, it doesn't have to be a 180-degree change. It could be like a 45-degree change and then another 45-degree change. It seems to be, uh, you know, the, the stories that are out there about the women's tag titles being introduced, which I'm not a big fan of, and it looks like a two-night takeover for the Wednesday and Thursday of WrestleMania week. Do you think they might possibly announce NXT moving in Tuesdays? I don't think so. That seems like a weird thing for Regal to announce in the body of the show. That is game changing. That is the end of the game, everybody. Like that is actually the game changing thing that they would announce. It is. We've lost. Well, I just, I don't know if they want to necessarily make that announcement even a month out. I I, I don't know. I'm not expecting that one. I'm expecting it to be kind of on screen changes like uh, takeover tag titles. Third game changing announcement to come. Like, how does Regal even announce that? Like, what's even the impetus behind that? Like, because it's, it's like an in-character uh, announcement. You're going to get NXT quicker. You're going to get it one day earlier because we just love our universe so much. Um, also, this was all over tonight's Raw, was that tickets for WrestleMania will be going on sale next Tuesday. A limited amount. They have not said what the capacity will be at Raymond James Stadium for the two nights. Uh, but tickets will go on sale next Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern, with prices ranging from 35 to $2,500 U.S. It adds in the press release that WWE is coordinating with local partners and government officials regarding safety protocols for WrestleMania and will share details in the coming weeks. Information on additional WrestleMania week events is forthcoming. I would think you would want to make that announcement now before people buy tickets. Like, wouldn't you want to know those? Maybe others don't even care about the safety protocols in place, but I would think you would want that kind of in conjunction with your your on-sale date. What are the actual parameters of me going to this event going to be? Am I going to be able to be in a pod with people that I'm with? Am I going to be next to a stranger? You know, who knows, like, maybe what the rollout is, who knows how firm those details are yet, perhaps. Um, I, I don't know. I, I will say, like, I think at this point, I don't think they'll have any trouble selling these tickets. and selling. I don't think they're going to either. It's only going to be handicapped by a lack of international uh, travelers coming to the show. But I do think there is going to be a good amount of demand for this. Like, if we're talking, like, 30,000 people each night... Are those numbers you feel they can safely hit? Is is that what football's doing? That that would be a roughly half capacity at Raymond James Stadium. Yeah, wow, that's actually way more than I thought. Um, but I think that they'll they'll hit that for WrestleMania. And then we have the New Japan Cup. Have you been keeping up with the New Japan Cup at all? Just the results on Saturday. They had a terrific show with Shingo Takagi defeating a. Kazuchika Okada, and that was the same show that had uh, Minoru Suzuki beating Tomoki Hanma in what had to be Hanma's best match in a long time. I would say probably his best singles match since the neck injury. It was quite the performance that really turned back the clock for uh, Honma, and then also had uh, Kenta beating Juice Robinson. And then Sunday show, you would have really enjoyed Zack Sabre Jr. and Gabriel Kidd. It went 17 minutes and was a great kind of performance for Gabriel Kidd to be presented as like close to Zach's equal in this match. It was like one of those really important matches just for Gabriel Kidd to be competitive with Zach Sabre Jr. before he was submitted. And then Will Ospreay was a miracle worker here with Hiroyoshi Tenzon, who again 
had one of his best matches in years with uh, Osprey winning, uh, but they went 13 and a half minutes, and this was Tenzon uh, looking so much better than he has in, and he's even looked like there was a period he hit where it was really rough. I don't think he's at at that decline, but he was, man, he knew this was a big match to have, and he was in there with the guy to have it with. So there there have been some really strong matches so far in this uh, tournament. And we've got the first round still to go on Tuesday and Wednesday before they move on to the second round. But I, I would say that looking at the the brackets and such, you have to imagine that uh, Shingo's probably a favorite on one side of the bracket. I would say Osprey and Jay White is pr- probably where it comes down to on the other side of the bracket. But I could see an Osprey-Shingo final at the end of this. Okan beat Naito as well. Okan beat Naito. Yes, they had they had a fine match, and it was Okan submitting Naito uh, t- using like a knee bar. So Naito was out in the first round. Okada was out in the first round. Those were the the notable uh, eliminations. So I think if you're looking for who is going to challenge Ibushi, I think that you could go with you could go with Osprey. You could go with Shingo uh, Tanahashi. They they've teased that because after Ibushi beat El Desperado, he kind of called out. Hiroshi Tanahashi, who's been negative to this idea of unifying the titles. And Okada, it was, I I wouldn't say a red herring how they went into this. I just think that's, they were not going to put Okada with Ibushi on a show like Sakura Genesis. That to me is a a long-term match you build to and just kind of teasing it now. And they'll get to that match down the road. How many uh, um, brackets left or how many um, blocks? uh, We've got on. Rounds left, I mean. Uh, well, we've got to finish the first round. Tomorrow's got Yuji Nagata and Yotasuji, and then Tomohiro Ishii and Sonata. And then Wednesday, it's Finley versus Chase Owens, Yoshihashi against Yujiro. And the main event is Jay White against Toa Hanare, uh, which is easily the biggest match of Toa Hanare's career. That's uh, a really interesting match. To You would assume Jay White is winning this one, but I think Toa Hanare will be... that. Th- this is huge for, for Hanare. I mean, if... If it will be his only appearance in this, and it really his first like really real prominent match since the pandemic began, so I'm sure he'll be putting full effort into it. As always, White, White could afford to lose that one. Absolutely, yeah. And then you do Tanahashi and Hanare, like teacher versus student, uh, in the second round. I, I could see that. It would add to the list of upsets, um, which would make it interesting, but. Um, I personally don't see it. Second round, you've also got the great Ocon versus Toriyano on Thursday to look forward to. All right. Set your alarm. And last thing here, SmackDown did 2,252,000 viewers. Best number in the past month. 0.60 in the 18 to 49 demo. They were second for the night, but number one among all network shows in 18 to 34. So a good number for SmackDown on Friday. Raw on Monday uh, decided to go right back to what worked last week and mid-afternoon announced that Bobby Lashley will defend the title against The Miz. This is after uh, all weekend long they promoted that there would be a championship celebration hosted by the Hurt Business for Bobby Lashley, uh, which we just never got. I mean, I suppose maybe they celebrate by wrestling. Walking into the venue at the beginning of the show. That was the celebration. Uh, An interview with Sarah Schreiber. What better way to celebrate? That was it. Congratulations, Bobby. So they arrive, all of the Hurt Business with their titles. 
And Lashley is interviewed saying that he went through a lot of which it would have broken others. He waited 16 years for this opportunity. And he's going to set an example for the locker room in tonight's rematch and walk into WrestleMania's champion. The almighty era has begun. I thought he sounded very good. I mean, you know, at this point, it's it's kind of rare to get a Lashley promo all on his own without MVP, but he sounded very confident. I mean, I believed him here, talking about his own history of, I, I suppose, you know, uh, struggle. Forget the, I guess the ECW championship just no, doesn't really matter. Impact, none of those titles matter. <laughs> but he sounded really good, and to my surprise, they are definitely leaning towards, like, this being a bit of a babyface moment for this guy. Uh, did you get that sense, John? I did. Uh, I think with Bobby, I think ultimately he will be a babyface. And my thought is that MVP somehow leads to the finish at Mania, and you've got Bobby coming out of WrestleMania as a babyface, probably feuding with MVP's newest. Uh, you need someone new for MVP to be attached with. I don't see any of the current Hurt Business members being that person, but that's totally a vibe i think long term you'll see bobby turn well i i I found it interesting on this particular show because yeah number one he was going up against the maze so i think he had to lean a bit more babyface. i also think like online you had a lot more kind of warm reception to bobby lashley's victory than maybe anybody they they might have expected and so fans are like kind of latching on to this conversely on this episode drew to me came across very much like a heel with his kind of whiny type of like you know demanding uh, tantrum like personality so i found it really interesting and the element of fans you know we've kind of discussed it um in the past but the element of fans being in the stadium for that match i really wonder how they will react to, to both dynamics it's the first time we're gonna see drew in a big setting since this whole push began um not since it began but i mean uh you know in the lead up to wrestlemania like we just saw him win the rumble and then those those TVs for the next month. And then that's it. Like the real meat of this whole title run was all without fans. Uh, so that's, that is interesting. I, you never know how the crowd is going to react. And then if that influences thinking, but I just think overall, like look at the baby faces they have swung and missed on that drew turning him to me would be such a poor idea after all you've put into him. So mm. um, if anything, I could see drew and Bobby coming out of mania with like the mutual respect and, Bobby then fizzling off with the Hurt Business and feuding with MVP's next uh, protege. The Miz and Morrison came out. Every week, John Morrison's hair is just like, there's stuff going on in that that hair. It's um, like there, he could be, something could be living in that hair. Um, I think that's the Bray Wyatt story you want to wait for. Oh, okay. The yes. black shit cut in the hair, moving from the mouth to the hair. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, substances coming up from your, your stomach, uh, maybe that's what was happening to the Miz last week because he noted his stomach cramps. He should have been believed last week, yet he still defended his title, had the champion's advantage, and he admits the champion's advantage is shady. We need rules like the UFC where <laughs> a disqualification can lead to a title change. He outsmarted everyone, Bobby blew it, and then was threatened and got brutalized by Bobby Lashley. No repercussions. Well, he's going to win the title back. And that would be our opening match. And my God, they gave this 
this superstar entrance for Bobby Lashley as he came out, this big uh, montage of clips as he's coming out. Like they're doing the whole big promotional push behind Bobby Lashley as the the new king of this program. I, I really enjoy it, you know, uh, even with the VR lightning bolts that they gave the guy. I mean, I, I think any fresh coat of paint just to kind of reinforce the man's new main event status um, shows, tells the audience that we should be paying attention to him right now. So Drew McIntyre was watching in the back. Uh, they fought on the floor for a while. This was definitely longer than their match last week. Miz drew Lashley to the floor, uh, missed a sliding drop kick, and then he's run into the post. Spinebuster in the ring, and it's Lashley destroying the Miz before he sets up and applies the hurt lock, and Miz submits in nine minutes and five seconds. Miz, I suppose, did a bit better this week than last, you know, surviving a little bit longer, but this was still basically a squash for Lashley. Cements his victory, gets another TV segment out of the whole thing, and uh, he continues to display just great intensity i think they've done a great job with him this year and it's only amplified now that there's a clear direction for him going into mania as champion this also seems to write the miz off from the title picture and you know people are going to have their opinions about whether or not he should have been in this position in the first place but i have a real appreciation for him i think he does a great job in that character making up these excuses to justify getting another match after we've seen the man basically get beaten up um, he was fun to watch here. He's out of his mind, but because like he has so much persistence and conviction in the way he talks, you can see like somebody like Pierce being like, "Okay, fine. Here's a rematch. Like, just make it stop." You know? Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, were you surprised that there was nothing kind of setting up Miz for his next program uh, after this? Like this was just pretty much no bad, no, well, no bad bunny on the show, nor Damien Priest. So that's right. They're, yeah. they're safe. He is what performing at the Grammys. He's this performing week or next? at the Grammys this weekend. Yes. So that that might be why. I think it, uh, you think the Miz will show up at the Grammys during the performance. Oh no, he'll probably do a spoof segment the next night on Raw. That would be great. Where's this music video that John Morrison was supposed to, supposedly working on? That's where you debut it next Monday. Uh, they keep referring to Drew as the presumptive. Next challenger. We're not even going to go through any rigmarole. We're just going to say we're presuming he's the next challenger. For when, we don't know. He's just the next challenger. Why say presumptive if if it's not going to be in question? Like, why not just say he's the next challenger? I'm guessing he has another match. I think you got to do another Sheamus match, which we'll get into, which definitely begs the question why they did what they did last week. Schreiber so, inter- so hold on a second. So, uh, one more thing is this was where they aired the WrestleMania ad. And is the tagline for this year's WrestleMania? Finally, WrestleMania is back in business. Back in business. That's the, back in that's business. the tag. Yeah. Which I actually don't hate. I mean, obviously it makes. Oh, you you'll know, hate it after everyone's got to insert it into their promos. Back in business. Is there a song called Back in Business that by ACDC? They're well, guess back. what, Shane? I don't care if you've got an MBA. I'm going to go back to business school, too. And it's at WrestleMania. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but, of course, they can also uh, change the lyrics to, for, to back in black to back in business. Because um, <laughs> I'm back in business. <laughs> I don't know how that remix will sound. I don't know. But I, I, I don't know if this was intentional, but it, it definitely works with Lashley in the Hurt Business main eventing. Yep. do you think? Yep. Uh, and then, the, yeah, they just had limited combo and single tickets on sale 
next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Schreiber interviewed Drew. He's the only challenger around here. He beat five men at Elimination Chamber, then got jumped by Lashley. He asks Bobby, where is your heart, your passion, your balls? And with that, Sheamus attacks him, stating, this isn't over. 20 years of living in your shadow, and he is going to cause misery for Drew every day of his life. It's never over, John. So go on all the way at least until WrestleMania and probably beyond. Okay. That was the alternate backup for WrestleMania's tagline. It's, yeah, back, always in business. Always, yeah, always in business, even during a pandemic. Uh, We had several promos tonight for Rhea Ripley, but just the same promo they've been running. So still coming soon. McIntyre demands a rematch with Sheamus, and it's going to be a no disqualification match. And Adam Pierce just nods his head. He said, you know what? We've got a 25-minute gap in this show that we didn't book, so you guys can have it. Braun Strowman met up with R-Truth. I don't know what the hell this was. Um, Truth said that you're a fragment of my imagination, and he tried to wipe out his memory. Dude, I, I, I'm trying I to like... Was. I refuse to recap this stuff. <laughs> Like, I'm trying to think about the logic here. And I know R-Truth is supposed to be a, co- a comedy character, but I'm trying to think what the thinking was in the creation of the joke. And I'm trying to even identify what the joke is in the segment. There so, was no punchline. It was like, like, unless you're like the Men in Black joke at the end. I, I don't know. It was just... So, so Braun, they had advertised that Braun was going to be demanding an apology from Shane. Yes. And, and then all of a sudden we see R-Truth here apologizing to to uh braun so i i think the the joke was that truth thought he was supposed to apologize instead of shane and then it just it just like it devolved into this just this kind of endless supply of like non sequiturs ending with this men in black reference um and that was that like what i just i'm trying to think where the logic was from step a to step b to step c it's know? a trick for us to spend time I won't do it. I just won't do it. I don't care. <laughs> Braun Strowman comes out and he says, you're either laughing with him or at him. And he thinks Shane is laughing at him when he made the line that a textbook Shane is studying from was above his reading comprehension skills. Yeah, Braun, I think he was laughing at you with that joke. He threatens to break Shane's neck, but he doesn't want to get fired. Nothing says big, angry monster like not upsetting the boss to affect his employment status. So he wants some respect. Shane comes out, gets into the ring. He says, I apologize. And then he walked out, went back onto the stage, hesitates, and then leaves as Braun is annoyed. This would pay off in grand fashion later on. Slow build. A very slow build for a very dull joke at the end of this whole thing. Shane's backstage. He's asked if he had more to say. He just walks away. Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, no disqualification match. We had Drew jump Sheamus at the entrance, and then they fought on the floor. They got weapons involved. Sheamus fishhooked Drew Grabbing, putting his fingers in his mouth, which Joe called the Dublin smile. 
Uh, Drew stopped a kendo stick shot with a pair of belly-to-bellies. They go on the floor, and Drew is shoved into the post, then dumped onto the desk. Into the near falls we go. There's a chair that's used. Future Shock onto the chair. Sheamus kicks out. The Claymore is set up, but then Drew gets a chair thrown at him. Knee strike. He kicks out. Then Sheamus is thrown into a chair, and a Claymore sends Sheamus down to the floor. And as both are on the floor, they each grab steps. They run at one another and both knock each other down. And the referee looks at the brutality from these steel steps and he calls off the match, assisting or needing medical assistance after 19 minutes and 24 seconds. I have an aside about the booking of all this, but I thought these guys had another great match just as they did last week. They have been the highlight of Raw. Uh, back-to-back weeks. Oh, great hard-hitting match. I think better than last week, if you just simply look at the match quality, uh, the body of the match and not the finish, it was certainly, uh, I felt, a pay-per-view quality match, uh, even at a championship level, if that was the case. Sadly, it wasn't. And everything outside of, like, the bell-to-bell action, I thought was pretty poor. My, I certainly had no anticipation for this match after having just seen it a week ago. The feud at this point is cold, and there's nothing at stake whatsoever. So I actually found it dis- pretty disengaging, despite how great the physical physicality was. I thought for sure, like this finish, it obviously sets up a rematch. And I thought for sure they were going to announce that for Drew to get a shot at Bobby Lashley, he has to beat Sheamus. And probably, given the finish of this, I thought last man standing match or something to that effect. And if they go that direction, it just makes last week's clean win by drew. Why either they're just completely not thinking, or that's really a sign of just how week to week they are booking this stuff. Because if you are building to a blow off match where drew has to beat Seamus, well, you've given people that and not with some fluke. They had the hard hitting all-out war last week that ended with a decisive end. And you're certainly going to get another match coming out of this. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it makes the last week's result uh, make absolutely no sense. And, I mean, that's just kind of par for the course for this program, isn't it? Everything's been screwed up with this thing from the beginning. And I feel bad because you could have had a really nice feud with a great match for the championship on a pay-per-view uh, in, in a nice compact story. If I think they stuck the plan, uh, but instead it, it, you know, they got screwed out of the ma- uh, match. Really? They got screwed out of the match at the rumble and then it was chamber and then um, no title at stake. And then you give the finish away and then you redo it two other times on TV. How can I care after that? There's, I'd have to give it more thought, but you could absolutely with the benefit of hindsight, have gotten to all of these exact same destinations and just move things around differently to instead of doing the turn the way they did, it could have been Sheamus that ends up doing the turn that leads to Drew losing the title to the Miz in the Money in the Bank scenario. Like Drew and Sheamus go in as friends to the chamber. Drew has to beat his best friend. And then in the aftermath, Sheamus cheap shots him. And then Miz gets his win, spins off Drew and Sheamus, and Bobby Lashley can win the title in the meantime, and then you have your big Drew Bobby Lashley showdown. You accomplish everything that they are still doing now, but it would put so much more emphasis on a reason for the Sheamus-Drew feud. It gives Sheamus a reason that he's frustrated that after all this time, he loses and his best friend beats him. And then you could do that match at one of these pay-per-views, 
and the winner gets Lashley at the end. It's significant. That scenario significantly elevates Sheamus. Instead of in this situation having him lose at the elimination chamber, lose to Drew McIntyre clean, and somehow trying to build two more rematches coming out of it, um, I I don't know why it's it's like this other than the fact that they probably didn't have the foresight that they were wanted to push this for two three more weeks and they did last week so that was that and they never addressed this so i don't know like again on this show not not to say they probably did not like plug that Fastlane is on this date but they're not building any programs like for Fastlane. like this is all i can imagine them doing is Sheamus and drew at Fastlane. But again, we've got one more Raw before the pay-per-view. Yeah, I can't see like the the Shane Braun stuff um, <laughs> culminating at Fastlane. Oh, dude, they're probably going to do like a spelling bee at Fastlane. Yeah, sure. Sure. They reminded you of the worst feud of the year involving Randy Orton and The Fiend to get all those images back in your mind. And then our newest member of the bro- the broadcast team, Kevin Patrick, is in the back interviewing AJ and Omos and asked him about his plans for WrestleMania. And AJ said, oh, heck, WrestleMania, that's five weeks away. That might as well be five years away. You watch this show? Styles has no idea what he's doing for (laughs) WrestleMania. Not a fucking clue. But he just decides to talk about Randy Orton uh, and all the voodoo that's going on, uh, courtesy of Little Miss Witch Alexa Bliss. Words he actually used. And Orton shows up and asks if it's funny to have a man's mind messed with. AJ calls him weak, and they set up a match. You know, the I guess the, the lead story of this show was them trying to set up a reason for AJ Styles and Randy Orton to dislike one another. Um, I can't really say the material was very strong. Um, but at least, like, the match on paper was, was good enough. But, man, like, this was... These segments did not need to occur, I, I don't think. Um, I just I was ready for the match, man, but not these interviews. Do you think it's funny to have a man's mind messed with? <laughs> uh, next week, they're setting up, uh, they announced two title matches. Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin will defend the Raw Tag Titles against the only other team in existence, the New Day. And then we're going to get Riddle and Mustafa Ali for the United States title. All right. Great. So with that, Shelton Benjamin took on Xavier Woods, where Shelton was in control, started focusing on Kofi on the floor, and was pinned with an inside cradle because he was distracted in 346. Yeah. Who was it? Like, he was distracted by Kofi? He was talking to Kofi and, I guess, talking shit, Mm -hmm. and then Woods capitalized and cradled him. You know, logical booking to set up the challengers. Sure. Um, I I guess I'm I still have negative interest in this pairing because I'm still very much reeling from their series of four tag title matches from November December that just seemed completely endless, and that's not even including the multi man matches and singles matches that these two pairings have had. So I just I don't care about this at all. Then we had what had to be the most excruciating segment of the night. Not the worst, but the most excruciating. And that was Sarah Shriver with Riddle and his scooter. He said that Retribution will not break his focus, but he's more worried about where he's going to park 
this goddamn scooter. Because if he leaves it in the back, he's going to get a ticket. But if he takes it out with him to the ring, Ali is going to break the scooter. So New Day shows up and they just are going back and forth here. They're talking about Call of Duty. They agree to watch the scooter and then Kofi and Riddle have an impromptu thumb war. Did I get all of this? Yeah, well, they were specifically making Jack jokes uh, because he was going to face Slapjack. Yeah. So so they were joking about... He's going to flip him like a Flapjack. Yeah, and uh, Matt Riddle said, I'm more of a French toast guy and brought up Reginald because he's French. Um, I hated everybody in this sketch. Everybody involved here is the biggest heel to me on the show. This segment made me regret ever getting into Kofi Mania. Kofi Kingston, to me, has gained so much go-away heat for me. Um, Just never mind the disappointment. I think of, you know, the way he lost the title and then just subsequently not selling that loss at all. But man, he was aggravating here. They were, And I get it. That's the New Day's thing. They're supposed to be obnoxious. This was like to another extent. This is like you're on hour four of a road trip and it's like, the guy in the back seat that just can't shut up. Oh, and this is terrible. I, just, I would have absolutely shut the show off if I wasn't reviewing it. So Riddle took on Slapjack. Um, they had a match. I mean, it was fine. Uh, Riddle hit the final flash, and Slapjack had his foot under the rope, so he had to pull him out. So Slapjack kicked out, and then we found out... Slapjack's move? Yeah. Yes, we found out that Slapjack has a move, which Tom Phillips said, he's going for the snapback. The snapback. Uh, What Way's wearing? uh, The snapback, yeah. It was the... Riddle blocked the snapback performed by Slapjack. (laughs) And he hit the final flash and the bro Derek. He won in 354... Ali was losing his mind. I don't know why. Who cares if this guy lost for the upteenth time? You have your title match next week. You've already branded that this guy is the weak link of your team. Who cares? Who cares if he won? Who cares is is the right um, question, I think, John. Like, these guys lose every week. Ali gets upset every week. He's established. These are losers that you have attached yourself to. It's not going to affect your title match next week. This was a non-title match. What in God's name did a win over Riddle mean for Slapjack? Nothing. I get the feeling they're trying to like set up some sort of um, retribution turning on Ali thing by having oh, Ali. They're going to get have... retribution? <laughs> on, on, yes. Retribution is going to get retribution finally on somebody. And that'll be the leader, Ali. That's the sense that I get. But I have to say, like, I'm a huge fan of Ali. But I don't think he pulls off this sort of leader freakout role very well. To me, it sounds like it seems like they're trying to do like the you know Brody Lee Dark Order, you know, can't you idiots do anything t- right? And this Ali is not just, the Dark Order. Ali just does not pull that off very well at all. So man, and and I don't. This story has just been bad from the beginning. So I I I really hope that this is all just leading up to the breakup of the group, and you could finally this poor Shane Thorne man like. The saving grace is that he has a mask on. Okay, and, how many times have we said that for these people? Like, oh. it's just like, hey, hey, they're under masks. They're okay. They can be uh, preserved. Yeah. Well, let's hope that he has a role after this. Um, 
because yeah, this, this it's all just been pretty bad. So what is it, Ali and Riddle next week? Uh, Ali and Riddle for the title next week. All right. Shane's in his office. Pierce says, "Did you have something else to say to Braun?" And Shane calls him nosy, but then requests that Braun meet him in the ring for this unbelievable segment. So Shane is in the ring. Braun comes out and he starts screwing around with the microphone and gets a second microphone, goes to the floor and then goes onto the ramp as he proclaims, I'll say this face to face as he has moved away from the man. He admits he likes to have fun at other people's expense. And then he gets serious and says, I don't know if I can say this. And this is going so painfully slow. Shane says, I would never bring you out here to look stupid. Stupor, stupid is an abhorrent word. You're not dumb, stupid. They're terrible, terrible words. And I can tell from the nonverbal cues that you are upset with me. Then he got into the worst jokes, this side of Jerry Lawler, about stupid is as stupid does. And other jokes that he's heard others say, like falling out of a stupid tree and hitting every branch on the way down. Which I had always heard that joke as falling out of the ugly tree and hitting every branch on the way down. Therefore, impairing your appearance further. Hmm. Okay. Um, maybe it could work several ways. He clarifies, this is not me stating these jokes. These are others. Uh, but as the saying goes, big man, little brain. Like the dinosaurs, and Braun, I would never call you stupid. Braun is just standing in this ring, and then Shane just ethers him. He goes, B-B-B-Braun. And this is what prompts B-B-B-Braun to B-B-B-Bolt up the stage and B-B-B-Bumble through this awful fucking segment. He storms off after Shane. We see a car in the back. Braun gets to the vehicle. It drives off. So Braun just casually walks off into the distance to find his next purpose in this company. And then Shane appears and says, so stupid. I will say, it because of how painfully goddamn slow this was, I did chuckle at the punchline at the end of this. But my God, was this painful to get to. And this feud could not possibly lack any more interest for me. Often, you know, in professional wrestling, in reviewing these shows, um, I, we stumble into segments that I definitely waver from like, oh, man, this is awful. This is terrible to get through to like, I kind of enjoy it. Because it's so You're a wild and so ridiculous. And often it just takes me time to warm up to it. Like the the feed is something that is very much kind of hit and miss in that department. Like some weeks is just, this is a miserable segment. Like maybe this week I'll, I'll, I'll have that reaction. But some weeks it's like, they had this guy burn a man alive. That is hilarious. I am loving this shit just on a very ironic, I'm not supposed to like it level. So, but it takes me time to get there. This program, I'm already there. Like, from day one. This is so ridiculous. This is so outrageous. This is, like, so... Huh? What? 
they did this on TV like that that I'm already in. I thought I thought this was weird uh hilarious in just how awful it was. And uh I am curious to know like what Shane McMahon is up to. What what is his play in all this? Well, we're going to find out way over the next coming weeks as the chapters unfold of this this deep story. Um this is like a big program on Raw we've got going on. Oh, one of the biggest. Yeah. Tom Phillips calls this a, quote, fascinating situation. Yeah, fascinating, fascinating situation. They aired a replay of My Hole when Lana beat Nia Jax in the tables match because in the next segment, Lana and Naomi get their big women's tag title match. Yeah, I totally forgot that these two were the number one contenders. I think it, like Kate reminded me or something uh, on Friday. I had totally forgotten. Worth the wait. Nia Jax comes out with Reginald, who is now with her. Baszler is annoyed at this, but Jax says that he's down on his luck after being fired by Carmella, and he's kind of cute. So Naomi hit the spinning Pescado to the floor. This set up the break. Baszler then stomped Lana's elbow during the break. There's a hot tag to Naomi and a head scissors drives Jax's face into the camera, into the canvas. Jax then runs into her partner. Reginald trips up Naomi and then she grabs him by the hair. Lana takes out Reginald with a baseball slide drop kick, but then Jax knocks off Naomi and takes Lana, hits her choke power bomb and pins Lana in seven minutes and 40 seconds. And Jax then carried Reginald to the back. Yeah, I I really um yeah the match was fine. It was like relatively short, but I think they like got a nice little burst out of it. Um, I I guess like in my mind, I, I is there a full story here with this Lana thing, or is it just like kind of like a convenient thing they can go back to occasionally whenever they just need a match? Um, because it's like very start and stop, and not necessarily in the way that makes you want to see Lana ultimately achieve. Because she has ultimately achieved, like, she has, she's had that culminating moment already several times. She's beaten Nia several times in matches, in the tables match. Um, came short here, but was that even ever the ultimate goal? Like, did she, has she ever expressed wanting to win these tag belts? So I just don't know. I don't, I think they had this device of like, oh, by the way, they're number one contenders. And I think they forgot about it. And this week they just wanted to cash in so that they could move on. Uh, but I I don't really know what to think of, of, of this Lana story. Yeah, this kind of just felt like a commitment that they filled. And I mean, these tag championships, it's just, um, I don't know. It just feels like kind of no real foresight of where we're going with this division. I mean, these were just the latest challengers they beat. And now they'll face Sasha and Bianca all over again, which, I mean, that's not about building those two up as a tag team. That's more so focused on the challengers and their their specific program rather than the tag titles. Uh, we saw a clip of a straight-up Steve Austin. The season finale was tonight where Charlotte Flair was the guest, and they were getting into this sea breacher. This thing looked like it was right out of a Bond film. Sure, yeah. And Sarah... Sarah Schreiber interviewed Randy Orton. Well, I I thought it was a cool looking thing. Uh, it was, yes. Okay. <laughs> Schreiber interviews Randy Orton. He said she says that others in the locker room are concerned about him. He doesn't believe he has friends, and none of them have come and said that to his face. Cool. 
Uh, we had another Ruby Riot promo. Then Schreiber, Sarah Schreiber was very busy. Rhea, Rip- Rhea Ripley. They, uh, sorry, not, sorry, they're Rhea not going to promo Ruby Riot. Are you? That's kidding? right. Yeah, there was no Ruby Riot on this show. Uh, Schreiber interviewed Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, and they are asked their thoughts of getting a title match at WrestleMania. Uh, they have not outright declared like Charlotte, but they are no less serious about the Raw Women's Title. They should not be overlooked. We are just as ambitious as anyone else. So Charlotte comes in. She admits she is ambitious, and Mandy and Dana have five weeks to show what they have and hopes that their bite is as strong as their bark. So in other words, we don't want those tag team titles, even though we're a tag team. Um, don't plague us with that. And uh, I guess this probably just sets up Charlotte matches with the two of them for the next two weeks. And, I mean, again, it was a week without Oscar, so presumably is still injured. And when you look at it tonight of who was missing, like Oscar, Keith Lee is still off. And then you mentioned Damian Priest uh, as well. Like they were, they were somewhat shorthanded tonight. Yeah, interesting. Kevin Patrick, again with AJ and Omos. AJ doesn't regret his comments. He says, Orton is crazy in the head. It's not his fault that his brain is all twisted. He should focus on the fiend and wonders what the voices in his head will say about a loss heading into WrestleMania. This could ruin everything. Yes, yes. So that's our main event. AJ and Randy Orton. This this whole like last half hour of the show was just um felt like they were really stretching here because like they put they essentially re aired like the bulk of the Lashley Miz match while AJ Styles was already in the ring so AJ had made his entrance they come back from commercial and they basically aired like a huge chunk of this Lashley recap for some reason while AJ was still there um and then we finally got to the match with like fifteen minutes left. Yeah, I mean, they still gave them, like, 15 and a half here. Uh, Orton decked Styles early on, teased the RKO. AJ got dropped on the desk, and then Orton had a stare down with Omos. They came back from the break. AJ is weakening the hamstring to weaken it for the calf crusher. And they got the heat on Orton until he landed this discus clothesline, taking off AJ's head, and his lip was busted afterward. The Phenomenal Forearm gets stopped by Orton. He goes for the draping DDT, but AJ stops, rolls for the calf crusher. It's blocked initially before he locks it in, but Orton escapes, hits the draping DDT, and as he's setting up for the RKO, Omos yanks AJ and pulls him to the floor when Alexa Bliss, Little Miss Witch, appears on the screen. She lights a match and then blows it off as Pyro goes off in three of the four corners. Pyro. What does that mean? And then... Exploding raw main event. Yes. So after years of Randy Orton facing off with Kane with the exact same Pyro, there's something fishy about this version because he starts spitting up that substance as the announcers label it. Uh, It also goes by its street name, Black Shit. Uh, And then Styles hits the phenomenal forearm. So on a show where Drew and Sheamus were just too battered to continue it's too dangerous this guy is like coughing up black phlegm that he could have an internal issue fair game fair game and we're gonna count three because goddamn we need a winner and styles pins randy orton upsets all of his momentum going into wrestlemania and he wins in 1536 and it ends with alexa laughing 
Yeah, I couldn't wait for this show to end tonight. And um, man, I just, it's gotten to the point where I don't even care about good wrestling anymore on these shows because I have no reason to care about the outcomes. Most of the time, there are no outcomes <laughs> like tonight. <laughs> like in both of the great matches we had tonight between Sheamus and Drew McIntyre and this fucking main event. We did get an outcome in this main event, but it came out after um, a man uh, vomited black tar. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it was a pretty tough raw to get through. I have to say, as you look, not even towards like match quality, but on the raw side, take out Drew and Lashley. What matches on the raw side do you want to see for WrestleMania? Rhea Ripley, they can yeah. give me something with her and Oscar. I mean, even her a three way between her, Oscar, Charlotte, um, trying to think what else. Bad Bunny. <laughs> I'm curious to see what involvement he has. Two nights. Um, this is not good. You should have like a list by now. We're five weeks out. We don't know what Keith Lee will do. There's some potential there. Um, but with who? Who do you want to see Keith Lee with? Give me yeah. a pick of the roster. I mean, Scooter Man. Uh, Ali, maybe. I don't know. Uh, before we go to feedback, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pressure you to uh, rack your brain here. Um, regarding the uh, the Peacock deal, uh, Brandon Thurston slash Howard at WrestleNomics uh, just posted this uh, on the WrestleNomics uh, Patreon that he did reach out to uh, Rick Cordella, who's the executive vice president and chief revenue officer at Peacock TV, regarding uh, if there's going to be any cycling of content for the WWE network on Peacock, or if all of it will be put up there. And his quote to Brandon was, uh, we're going to put it all on Peacock, no cycling. It just takes time to re-encode all the hours. It's labor intensive with the metadata, imagery, closed captioned, etc. And the team has it as a top priority. So it sounds like everything on the network will make it there. It's a, they've said by SummerSlam, but like, it just sounds like it's, that, did they that, not take this that, into account when you're taking a network that has so much content on it? So maybe what's happening is the WWE network runs on Mac OS and Peacock runs, I guess, I don't know. Windows. That's a lot of encoding if they have to do that for everything. <laughs> Dude, that's a lot of work. It's a nightmare. For There's something like 10,000 hours up there. Oh, God. I know. Um, has to be done, but you know, you you kind of it tells you maybe how quickly this deal was made and how quick how close to unfortunately this kind of tentpole event of WrestleMania this deal was made because I think if they had their their choice they would be spending six months on this rollover to make it completely seamless on the day of you know like oh day of switch over you get all the, get all the same content all the bugs are worked out. But you're, you know, because of WrestleMania, they're pushing this forward. They're putting a stop date to the WWE Network. And, you know, people, they're going to have to catch up um, afterwards. So they'll yeah. still have NXT going up the day after. Raw and SmackDown will be on 30 day delays from their air date to when they can go up. I will say this I know that there are fans that will be upset about all this library stuff. But the fact is that. Like, we see those charts of, like, what is consumed. It's a very small number that are watching these old episodes. It's a very, very small amount of people that 
it's probably a very um, vocal minority and you are in theory, even if you're not watching the, all of this stuff regularly, it's the idea that I was getting all this and now you're taking something away. But like, I, I don't know if that becomes a number one priority to make sure we have every episode of Nitro up on Peacock because it's servicing a very, it's a very loyal, but it is a relatively small number in that grand scheme of what is overall still a niche service where the vast majority, they are there for the live programming and these forthcoming pay-per-views, not going back in time to go watch um, Evolve 1. Well, I was going to say, I mean, if it screws anything up, I think it's our plans for Rwanda Way because, I mean, it doesn't affect no, we'll, us. We'll, we'll get this in. We'll get this in right at the end before well, the, yeah. the turnover. But, but I mean, all of Rwanda Ways are typically from the WWE Network archive. So, um, we'll still yeah. have it. We'll still have it, but people might not be able to watch along, unfortunately. So you just have to rely on these on our, on John Pollock's great recaps from this point forward. I am really good, so you have that going for you. <laughs> All right, let's head on over to the forum and tonight's episode. Uh, what would you like about Raw? I feel like we uh, we took a sledgehammer to most of it, but I, I I think Drew and Sheamus are having some excellent matches. Um, Bobby Lashley feels like a big deal on the show. And they deserve credit for that. This is not like they just snapped their fingers and said, hey, Bobby Lashley's our guy we're going with. They've had a concerted effort to put Bobby Lashley at this level. So when you put the title on him, not only does it feel fresh and new, even though it's a guy who is older, he feels uh, fresher because he's being put in this position for the first time. So, I mean, if you want to have one big match that people are invested in, it better be your top match that you can put on one of the nights of Mania with Lashley and Drew, and I think they are in good shape with that program. The things that they know they have to take seriously, they they typically do take seriously, and that 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 is the main event. And as far as what else was a positive on this show, well, the scooter was intact, right? No one stole it or broke it, or no ticket was issued that we know of. I guess Riddle didn't that get to the bag. Of. We didn't see him get it back from the New Day, so yeah. Find yeah, out. that that was about it. I I definitely urge everybody to go watch that Shane and Braun Braun segment. Um, it's one of those things that it, it will be a topic of discussion. Um, it was. I won't lie. Like I chuckled at Shane's line at the end after all <laughs> of that painful. Like it was. It, it reminded me of the Family Guy sketch where Peter gets up and he like travels across the country just to knock on someone's door, and I think the punchline is like. He kicks the guy or something like that. But it's like it's like a three minute lead up to the joke at the end. Right. All right. Yeah. This was not exactly family guy quality, but hey. Uh three point five seven is what the forum has issued this episode of Raw. We start off with Benjamin. This is the first Raw I've watched in a long time. Great decision making tonight, Benjamin. I was buoyed by your semi-positive review of last week's show, hoping I was going to see some form of consistency within the raw narrative environment. Their MCU. Okay, a lot of mistakes being made here in terms of projections, Benjamin. But, alas, it's back to being a weekly diuretic of WWE-isms. I like the Mrs. promo, but it was another what my daddy would call a rolls can ardly. A car that rolls briskly down one hill and can ardly get up the next. This is like uh, quite the elaborate feedback. Miz is just too pure for the WWE, but he honestly shouldn't be anywhere else. He's a lighthouse in the shitstorm that is raw. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus's Hoss fight too, Hoss harder, was pretty good. I really enjoyed watching two beefy grown men 
smack their bucket-covered heads together. Clangy noise, hoss fights, makey Vince's grapefruits, very swole, very swole indeed. Why did I get this one? Uh, I feel this is Brandon from New Jersey uh, after some alcohol. I really hope this Wyatt promo, this Wyatt Orton program culminates in a triumphant WrestleMania return for Randy's own. <laughs> also, AJ versus Randy was some good work. And then the most predictably WWE diuretic leads to another downpour of goofy mud butt shy stream. Okay, I'm moving on. You were doing okay. I think you went a little too long on this one. But I do appreciate the um, the wordsmith here, Benjamin. Uh, tough to follow that, but counterparts will be trying here. Richard, he says, oof, this was bad. From a quick turnaround from Miz and Lashley to Rock'em Sock'em Drew and Sheamus, I thought this was going to be not a good episode. Then we got the whole stupid, and I'm using that word better than Shane did, story with Braun and Shane. I feel that is leading by far as the worst segment of the year. It got so bad, I put on my vinyl copy of an old Genesis album as a soundtrack, and I enjoyed it a lot more. And we end with another round of How to Freak Out Orton Part 55. I've honestly lost count of this, and I'm genuinely afraid of what they have planned for those two at Mania. Raw as a whole sucked. Two out of ten. Genesis, interesting choice to go with that segment. We have Kate here. I'm almost afraid to admit that I like segments of Raw now because whenever we get something good, it's then repeated for weeks with diminishing returns. Having The Miz get a rematch and last two segments and a commercial break against Lashley was not as compelling as him getting crushed like a bug last week. Adding a no-DQ stip for Drew and Sheamus, too, didn't make for a more interesting match. That said, I would have taken more repetition over whatever the hell is going on with Shane and Braun Strowman. I mean, maybe they have some angle planned out, but I somehow doubt it. It surprised me a little that there was nothing done to acknowledge International Women's Day. I'm pretty sure that they've noted it. They they did have a brief uh, video that they aired of... Uh, clips of uh, younger women talking and Charlotte was part of it as well. It was very short, but they did air something acknowledging it. Uh, Kate ends with, I don't want to be entirely negative, but it's harder this week than most. Lashley's new entrance package and light show was very, was very cool looking. That was, uh, I like that. And they did their pyro to work and they did get their pyro to work pretty well. Yes, that is a, a feather in their cap this week. Um I can't remember what I was going to say, so we can just move on. Was it about International Women's Day? Uh, It was something to do with, oh, what we didn't get back this week, and I was somewhat surprised by, was no countdown clock. Yeah, I mean, at this point... Did AEW curse countdown clocks that no one wants to try them after last night? Possibly, yeah. And and also, at this point, it would be... Don't you think it'd be too gimmicky? (laughs) Way. This company, like, they find something that works. It's like, to Kate's point, it's like they will... Do it into the ground. I don't even think the clock is necessarily the worst idea of just keeping the show moving and that you know something that's coming up. I don't think they had a whole lot to count down to tonight beyond Styles and Orton. Well, um, I'm sure that a clock will figure its way into something somehow. Let's go to Nick who says this show was a bummer. If people aren't off the Fiend train already, having us wait nearly three months for his return with goofy segment after goofy segment certainly isn't a sustainable way to build to what I imagine WWE will position as a marquee mania match. The Shane Strowman segments are equally foolish, and I'm genuinely unsure where this cartoonish animosity appeared from in the first place, but I am semi-confident that their mania bout could be a fun car crash. Everyone worked hard in the two big rematches, but it feels like we're dragging our way into fast lane at this 
rate. And to ca cap it all off, it appears as though Reginald is going to bookend our Mondays and Fridays. Lovely. Looking ahead, given all this positive buzz and booking, do you think Lashley should drop the title at Mania or have several strong defenses and build Drew back up to win at SummerSlam? I think that you should never assume um, a major outcome for a Mania, especially this far out. You just don't know. And it's hard because without the crowds, you can't, in a traditional setting, there could be a big sign of momentum behind Lashley. And you could still look at other signs of that. I do not... Uh, dismiss the idea of if this is working with Bobby, extend it. Drew needs challengers and uh, you can hold that off. It's like the idea that Drew gets this big title win in front of a crowd at Mania, hold that off. Like make that something he's he he comes up short in. I I think that there's a reasonable chance you could do that. Whether that's the decision now, uh, that could easily change over the next five weeks. Without knowing how much, like you know, uh, the audience would be taken to Lashley as a champion, it was hard for me to say this beforehand. But I think having a week of it and seeing how good of a job they've done with him, I definitely think you keep the belt on him longer than two months. And I think that story of that heartbreak of Drew having that moment without the crowd last year, and then going ahead this year trying to get that moment and coming short, I think there's way more drama in that. And then later maybe next year maybe two years later finally having drew mcintyre get that culminating moment it would be that much better so i think he should lose at wrestlemania personally and with crowds now like tonight i think the hurt business would have been super over tonight oh especially that promo like how could he was a total baby face last one Am I up? It's you. Yeah. Okay. We got Brody from Vancouver. I haven't watched a full episode of Raw in almost three years. Bringing back a, a lot of fans tonight. Last night was the first pay-per-view I've tuned into to watch since the Rumble in 2017. You guys have kept me up to date, and I appreciate it. Bobby's new entrance and presentation is so refreshing to see. Braun and Shane bores me to tears. Randy and AJ went exactly how I thought it would, and I still don't know who we're supposed to cheer for. How has Sheamus been in Drew's shadow for 20-plus years? He's a four-time champion, king of the ring, money in the bank winner, multiple tag team champion, all while Drew was in 3MB and riding the indies. I get the jealousy logic, but the shadow line confused me. AEW questions, do you think there's any chance they completely reshoot the explosions on Dynamite this week during a Moxley promo as a proper write-off to try to justify that Sunday was on purpose? If I would not completely dismiss it, but there is no way I could see them trying that live again. Yeah, nor do I think it would be any sort of make good. Like, I think there are other ways to write Moxley off if you're going to do that. Um, you couldn't, you'd have to tape that one in advance. And then it's like you lose the crowd reacting to it uh, unless you put in the fake noise on top of it. I just, I, I think it's a lot of effort to go to that like, extreme. What, what, what would the point be just to be able to say, hey, we can do explosions? Like, I, it would just be petty. Deliver on what was advertised, I guess, would be the sentiment. But I, it's I don't over. Think, the the yeah. moment's lost. You know, yeah. like <laughs> you could show a big bang. It's not going to like change anything. Um, I I just look for creative storytelling. You know, I want they dug themselves into a bit of a hole here. Um, and I want to see how they they dig dig themselves out. Well, that's part of the intro. I do think Dynamite's going to do a very good number on Wednesday. I think the combination of coming off the pay-per-view, I think actually this ending of the pay-per-view probably drew some curiosity of how they address it. And Christian probably being on the show should add a lot. So 
Uh, and it's not like they have a nothing NXT they're going against. So it's a pretty competitive week on Wednesday. Will we get a countdown clock to one or both game-changing announcements on NXT? Do you think Do you think they spread the announcements throughout the night? They should if they're smart. I would I would space them out. Sure. Yeah. Why announce both get... when you can let people? Uh, uh, you know what? Regal should get like choked up and he gets some stomach cramps, and then we got to delay the announcement to later in the show. Oh, very nice. And Drag the those mic... announcements out. And the mic doesn't work, and he has to kind of go to the back, and we all have to follow him. And oh, and then that substance us. comes up, and he can't deliver the announcements until next week. Ooh, lovely. Yeah. Uh, I think they should just have a clock on all the time. Just like People love clocks. At the end of it, something's got to happen. Countdowns. It's great. Well, the countdown begins to Ask Away, the mailbag show. It will be out on Tuesday. We'll go through all of the questions that have been accrued in the mailbag up at forum.postwrestling.com. Then Wednesday night, we're live after Dynamite. We'll chat about the game-changing announcements and a whole rundown of Dynamite. Uh, looking forward to that. We are live Wednesday night for our double-double ice cap and espresso patrons. And, Way, anything else you want to mention? Uh, just one more time, Post Wrestling Cafe members get 20% off this week on the Post Pro Res T. So log in uh, at postwrestlingcafe.com. All right. As the man says, get the Post Pro Res t-shirt so you don't look like a fucking jobber.